What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Well, That Was Easy. It's your boy, Jason. I'm back in the building, and I'd like to apologize for the long hiatus. Shout out to all those who are still checking out the content we do have up. It's encouraging. It encourages me to get back in here and share some info, you know. The name of the show, Well, That Was Easy. I'm hoping to share some info with you that we could learn together, have fun doing it. Or if not, affirm some things that you already know. I'll be the first to admit that I don't know everything. But as a grown man, I'm having more fun learning now than I've ever did. And of course, it's because it's on my time. I'm not sitting down for six, seven hours trying to sit still. You know what I mean? I'm talking about kids and school. Um, This is on my time. And I ha- and I have to be learning. I have to always be ever learning, you know. Some of you know I'm a pastor of a small church in South Omaha, which I'm uh, very humbled to do that work and just thank God for calling me into the ministry. And uh, I'll share the verse with you guys again, Hosea 4, 6. The Bible says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. You know, we're, we're going to perish by it. And I'm paraphrasing that. And the reason I bring that up, because as you can look upon society and our culture, you see that we are be, being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And some of us will perish in doing so. And the main thing, knowledge we're missing, is just knowledge of God. Some of us reject it. Some people just don't know. But... We can't sit on the fence about these things. So that's part of the reason I wanted to do the show, just to put out some helpful information. You know, we'll do Bible studies. We'll talk about what's going on today. You know, I'll just get my views on it and we'll just go from there. But again, just thank everybody who's been tuning in. Uh, Pray for our country. Pray for leadership, and you know what leadership is like, especially if you're a parent. You know, you don't know it all, you're learning on the fly, and you should always want to better yourself. I've had a teacher, um, he'd always say you should always be ever learning, and you should be. You know, you go through the Bible, you can see how many times God says that you should know, you should know, and he says it a lot because knowing knowledge is helpful, you know what I mean? But anyway, again, I'm just glad to be here <clears throat> today. Today, we're going to talk about what I have in Jesus. You know, especially church people, Christians, or people, those who backslid, and they forget what we have in Jesus. What do I have in Jesus? And a lot of times we get that perspective, or we're down in the molly grubs. You know, life just isn't going our way. But we have to come back to the Word of God to find out and be reminded what I have in Jesus. And today, if you will, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, the verses 11 and 12 are the ones we'll we'll, uh, focus on. But um, let's start from verse 5. And that's Hebrews chapter 2. And I'll start at verse 5. And it goes, For it was not... To angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. 
It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Again, what I have in Jesus. What do you have in Jesus? You know, starting with verse 11. We have a sanctifier. That's who we have in Jesus. Jesus is our sanctifier. Jesus is that one who wants to make us holy. You know, he loves us. And sanctification, that's one of those big words, you know. It's the process of God's grace by which the believer is separated from sin and becomes dedicated to God's righteousness. It's separation from the world and setting apart for God's service. That's sanctification. You know, it is said that when Jesus saves you, God draws you to himself by his spirit to his son for the forgiveness of sin. And <clears throat> you accept the free gift of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's saving. Jesus is your savior. You are now been raised from the dead, given new life in Jesus. So that's why they say Jesus is your savior. This sanctification we're going to talk about today that means Jesus is your Lord. He is lording over your life. And that's who you have in Jesus. You have the Savior. You also have the Lord. In that word sanctification, one more time. The process of God's grace by which the believer is separated from sin becomes dedicated to God's righteousness. It's separation from the world's values and setting apart for God's service. So I ask you again. What do I have in Jesus? You need to be reminded that you have a sanctifier. You have someone, Jesus, not just someone, you have Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth. And as the Bible says, for whom and by all things exist, Jesus is your sanctifier. He is at work. He's working in you. He's on it. You know, once he started something, as the Bible says, he that began a good work in you. Paul said he's confident in this thing, that he, Jesus, that began a good work in you, will carry it out into the day 
of redemption. So I know life gets hard and sometimes when you're out of the word, you're out of fellowship, right? You just feel alienated from God. And that's not his fault. You know, that's our fault. Again, that definition of sanctification, part of that is separation from the world's values and setting apart for God's service. And when we alienate ourselves because we're having a pity party, things aren't going our way, we forget God's purpose in our life. God's has purpose. He's the sanctifier. You know, He separating us. He He's already saved us from our sins, but He's continuing to work to separate us from sin that we don't get caught up in the world's values. You know what the world's values. Pride, position, prestige. You know, when we focus on those things, we will forget the sanctifier. We want the sanctifier to become the genie. You know, give me this, give me that, give me this. And the Lord is trying to separate you from the world's values. And he's setting us apart for God's service. John 17, you can write it down or if you're fast, go ahead and turn to John 17, verse 13 through 19. It says, but now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And this is Jesus. This is seven, John 17 is the prayer for the disciples and the work and those who will be coming to know Christ because Christ has blessed the work of God and blessed his disciples. It's a really, really... I guess you could say, pretty prayer for lack of better words, right? Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So what do I have in Jesus? I have Jesus who is at work in me. He is sanctifying me Jesus is separating that process of God's grace he's in the life of the believer he's separating us from sin just like he said you know uh, I'm sending them into the world you know these who he says God I've given them your word and they have believed they're not of the world just as I am not of the world I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And Jesus prays, separate them by your grace, separating from the devil, from the world's values, power, prestige, position. Don't let them value that. And that's where we get 
our lines crossed. We want those things of the world. We want things, right? And you guys can recall, Jesus said, life does not consist of things. I ask you again, what do I have in Jesus? I have the sanctifier. Jesus is at work in me. And you know what? Even when you don't see it or feel it, Jesus is at work. It's not based on your feelings. It's based on God's word. And if God gives his word, he's not turning back on it. God is not a man that he should lie. We have to believe in God's word and, and have faith in it like you are. You know, I, I have my days too, man. I get overwhelmed with, with work, money, you know, family, worries. And I just have to remember, like, in spite of how I'm feeling right now, Jesus, you are sanctifying me. See how that word comes back? The truth? You repeat that. You say those things. You pray those things. Lord, you're, you're sanctifying. Even though I don't feel it right now, Lord, you're sanctifying me. And Jesus prayed it. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. He says, my believers aren't of this world. I'm not of this world. We don't go clinging to the world's values. Let Jesus do his work. You know, let us not get in the way. You know how we get in the way? With our own understanding. That's when we get in the way. And we suffer for it. Don't we? With our own understanding, we come in and like, God, let me, let me tell you a thing or two about a thing or two, God. And that ain't happening. You know, we, we suffer. You know, we don't get kicked out of the relationship. But it's been explained to me like this. Like, uh, when I'm sinning and I'm leaning on my own understanding and I find myself apart from God, it's like we're sitting at the table eating dinner. And I choose not to sit at the table and have fellowship. That doesn't stop me from being a son or daughter of God. It's just that I choose... Not to sit at the table. You know, I don't know about you guys. I grew up and, you know, I've raised my kids. We all sat at the table, you know. And it was good. We, we laughed, you know. We, we cried, you know. We told stories about our day. It was a good time. When we go on our own understanding, we choose to go be alone. And we forget what I have in Jesus. When Jesus was like, I'm at work. I'm working. You know, the best part about Jesus and, and, and what the Bible says about the Lord is that he never slumbers. He never sleeps. So, I just encourage you to stand on this truth that he's the sanctifier. He's working. He's, that process is beginning. He's separating you from sin. Separating you from the world's values and setting you apart for God's service so that you can be servants of God. We just gotta, we just gotta stop, you know, on our own understanding. You know, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, very famous, right? Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your path. Get into an understanding of Him. Jesus is at work. 
He's the sanctifier. He's the one who wants to make me holy like he is. He loves me. You know, not only just love me to save me, but love me to to work in me. You know, one encouraging thing I heard before you probably read it was when God was planning out my life, he included my stupidity. That's encouraging. Believe it or not, I get dumb. You know, I'm sure you guys do too, and you guys can relate to that. You know, let us remember who we are. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, he writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What do I have in Jesus? The sanctifier. He is at work. That process has begun. How does he do this work? Have you given any thought? How does he do this work? Well, two things I have. Uh, maybe you can think of more, but two things. Verse 11. For he who sanctifies, that's Jesus, the sanctifier, and those who are sanctified. You know, that process. How does he, the sanctification happen? I, I'll give you two of them. He does it by his word, and he does it by his spirit. John 17, verse 6 or 8 says, I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. This is... Jesus talking to the Father. I've manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. <clears throat> Yours they were. And you gave them to me. And they kept your word. Now, they know everything that you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me. And they received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. The word. That's how he sanctifies us. The word. And if I can go back to uh, John 17 again. Starting with verse 17. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That work, that's. One method, he sanctifies by his word. Let me ask you, do you spend a lot of time in his word? Do you set apart a time? You know the word sanctify, set apart. Do you sanctify time in your day to spend in God's word? Yes or no? You know, do you need to do it more? That's not here to beat you up or poke you in the chest it's it's a real question it matters right it matters are you sanctifying are you setting apart you know since you know jesus is sanctifying me what can i do to help let me spend time in god's word that's what i can do to help because jesus said he is sanctifying me in the truth 
Your word is truth. Verse 18 of John 17. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And truth is God's word. God's logos. That's Jesus. Jesus is the word. Right? John writes that in the beginning. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Right? I'm paraphrasing again if I missed that. But one method Jesus sanctifies us is by his word. You know, we can go back to David in the Psalms, right? David in the Psalms says, I've hidden your word upon my heart that I may not sin against you. Right? Remember that? I've hidden your word upon my heart that I may not sin against you. We can go back even more to Deuteronomy where uh, I think it's chapter 6 God's telling God told Moses tell my people that take my word you know tell your kids as you guys are walking by the park you're going to the store you know tell them my word write it on the inlets of your eyes do that because it was important that's the importance of the word. Why was the importance of it? That it would separate me. That it would separate me from the world. You know, the, the world's cravings never end. Never end. How can I keep myself from that? Well, like Jesus, I can separate some time in my day to hear from his word and, and spend time in it, right? That's the important. You go even go to Joshua when Moses died and God chose Joshua like, you're my leader. You're my leader in Joshua chapter one verses uh, six. I'm sorry, six. He says, "Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance of the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them." Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou may, mayest observe to do according to all the law. That's God's word, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, my word, shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written in. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. You know that Jesus is working. You take that word with you. You remember. You write it on the inlets of your eyes. You keep it upon your heart. So that you can be of good courage. Be not dismayed. Because you know the Lord God is with you. How do I know? Because his word said so. That's how I know. And it's working. He's working. I'm working. One method of sanctification in the process is by His Word. Man, this is, this is good stuff, man.
really. The second method God uses in sanctifying us, right? Uh, separation from sin, separation from the world's values, setting apart for God's service. One was the Word. The second one is by His Holy Spirit. You know that same Holy Spirit that regenerated you? It did. The Holy Spirit rose you from the dead. You know? Uh, John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. It is the Spirit. You got no help at all from the flesh. And Jesus says, The words... That I speak are spirit and life. You guys hear that? John chapter 6, verses 6. John chapter 6, verse 63, sorry. Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So how do you come to Jesus? I came to Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. Somebody was preaching or some of you may have been reading the word and you just, you know, something's going on in me. And I want to be forgiven of sin. And God, I, I know I'm uh, apart from you, but something's going on. It's not a feeling. Jesus said it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. There is nothing in our flesh that wants us and desires God. You know, there's nothing of the flesh. The only thing of the flesh is adultery, fornication, all that no good stuff. That's all that's in the flesh. That's why the Spirit, Jesus said the Spirit gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Look at those two at work. Again, the methods of sanctification the Word and the Spirit. And Jesus says, the Spirit gave you life, the flesh profits nothing, the words I have spoken you are Spirit and they are life. Tell me that you are not spoiled by God. Tell me you are not spoiled. God is, God is at work. He's working. And He's going to keep going in, until the day of redemption. You know, there's a song we sing in church. But I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. You know, He's at work. Let me recommit. Let me recommit. Man, Lord, you're at work. Your word is at work. It's life. The spirit is at work. You know, even in Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul wrote, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind of the flesh is death. You hear that? Verse 6 of that Romans 8. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. And we can, we end up doing that, right? Like I, like I mentioned in the beginning. You know, we fall away. We backslide. We choose to. It ain't like because God ain't working and God gave up. God never gives up. That's us. We get our, whatever it is. You know, I know hard times come. And I can't tell you how to feel. But I can tell you this. As a believer, we should not live by how we feel. We should live off by what the Word of God says. Why? Because Jesus said that Word is life. And in it is Spirit. That Spirit's working in you and so is that Word. Well, you're not. I'm not saying you're going to be exempt from hard times. You're not. But you're going to have that life. You're going to have God's spirit in those hard times. You know, you heard of the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar looks in the furnace. He sees four instead of three. And he says, looks like the Son of God is with them in there. I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you remember the, the story before he threw them in the furnace. But these guys were like, Nebuchadnezzar was like, your God going to save you now? And they're pretty much like, I'm paraphrasing here, they're pretty much like, well, whether he saves us or not, we're going to be just fine. Again, that facts over feeling, if you will. God's word over their feelings. Look, they were like, look, whether he saves us or not, if we die by this fire... We're going to be all right. But if he chooses to save us, that's good too. You know, that fiery furnace was hot. The story goes, it got so hot, the dudes, <laughs> the guys standing by the fire were dying. And these guys thrown in the fire. And the Lord didn't take them out. He sat in there with them. What did we read earlier in John 17? He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not out of the world. He's like, I'm going to be there with them. You know, don't give up. What do I have in Jesus? I have the sanctifier. And he's sanctifying me. For his service, that I may be a servant of God and to go out into the world and reconcile, help reconcile people back to God. That's our ministry. All of us who are believers. And he does it by his word and he does it by his spirit. And again, Back to Romans 8, chapter 6. Don't set your mind on the flesh. That's death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. The mind. The mind, right? You got to know. Feed your mind. You know, there's a show I like, InfoWars. It says, uh, there is a war out for your mind. There really is. 
really is this world wants you to feel like you're nothing. This world tells you there is no God. The Bible says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There is a God. And he's all about life and peace. The best time to have life and peace is through hard times. You know, not through good times. Don't always ask for good times. There's a pastor, uh, name is Craig. He told me, or he told us, he told a class, he said, you know, you think about the mountaintops. We all want mountaintops experiences, right? Uh, do you know what's on top of the mountaintop? And the dude said, really, just cold air and, you know, snow in some parts. He's like, yeah, there's no habitation up there. Nothing grows up there. It's barren. But where do the things grow? Down in the valley. You know, I think of Psalm 23 as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's growing in the valley? Why in the valley? Because tough times happen in the valley. And though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord thy God is with me. And I keep my mind on the spirit. There's life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, his word. Indeed, it cannot. Romans 8, 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's what, that's that word, man. That last, that eight, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let me not think for one minute that I should sit here lusting or being angry or plotting out revenge. Because those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That kind of thinking in the mind is death. Man, I need peace. I need, I need the Spirit. Life and peace. God's Word. God's Word. So again, what do I have in Jesus? I have the sanctifier. He loves me. He desires to make me holy just like He's holy. He's sanctifying me. With the process of God's grace by which the believer is separated from sin, become dedicated to God's righteousness, separated from the world's values, and setting apart for God's service. That's what I have in Jesus. Now let's wrap this up in that Hebrews 2.12. Uh, for he who sanctified Jesus, those who are sanctified, us all have one source, God the Father. And that is why that is why he is not ashamed to call them brother. That's Jesus. We all have one source. God the Father. We're the family of God, right? That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Saying, I will tell them of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And here's the grace part of the message, right? That sanctification process. It's a process. And I'm going to fail. You'll fail. We will. But I have to remember what I have in Jesus. The Son loving me. The Spirit at work in me. All have one source. God the Father. And even in my days of when I fall down and I miss the mark. 
The Bible says that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus said, that's my brother. That's my sister. Get up. I'm still working. Wipe your knees. Or better, you know, get your big butt up. Quit crying. Get up. We're brothers and sisters of God. And in that sanctification process, which isn't always perfect, it's a process. He is not ashamed to call us brothers. Mark chapter 3, verse 34. And his mother and his brothers came. This is Jesus. He's doing ministry. The gospel of Mark. His mother and his brothers came. They pulled up. Standing outside of a house. They sent him and called him. A crowd was sitting around Jesus. And they said to him. Your mom and your bros are outside. Asking for you. And Jesus answered him. Who are my mother? Who are my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. That is so good to hear. So good to hear. Because I'm all about doing the will of God. That even affirms, man, I'm, I'm the Lord's brother, you know. That's just that part of that relationship, the intimacy, you know. That we're close. We're close. He's working in me. He has a spirit and his word in my life. And I'm working because my mind is in his word. My mind is on spirit. I don't want my mind to be set on the flesh because that's hostile to God. Those who live in the flesh cannot please God, man. I'm one. I'm His brother. I'm doing this. Proverbs chapter eighteen, verse twenty-four: Man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We'll wrap it up with Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's good. Those he foreknew. You know, Jesus talked about those, all, all the Father who's given me they were yours. They're mine. I'm sanctifying them by your truth, by your spirit. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God predestined us to be conformed to the image, to be like his son Jesus. He can do it. We just talked about how he's doing it. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's loving, man. That's that's grace. That's mercy. That's mercy, just like that man in the story, the blind man, Bartimaeus. He was calling out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? 
And he says, give me my sight. And to those of you who are backslidden, and you know you are, the minds of the flesh, you're no longer following the light of the world. You're at odds with God. You're at odds with them. You're hostile to God. Those who live that way cannot please the Lord. And with that being said, just like Bartimaeus can cry out for mercy, the Bible says that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And ask the Lord, give me back my sight that I may see, that I may see the light, that I may follow you. See, God sent his Son into the world that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. They're going to perish because of their sin. Because of their sin, they are separated from God. But God sent His Son, Jesus, into the world that we may be reconciled to God through His Son. God wants to forgive you of your sin today. Just like Bartimaeus, He has mercy. Mercy on mercy on mercy for you. And He wants to give you sight. We ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Because you're tired of living under the power and penalty of sin. Ask Jesus into your life today. Tell him, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. And I cannot save myself. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Cleanse me. Give me the heart to love you and the eyes to see. Give me the power to be called a son or daughter of God. Again, this is what you have in Jesus. Those of you who know him, those of you who don't know him, Jesus loves you. We're going to wrap that up there, man. That went good. That went good. What do I have in Jesus? I have the sanctifier. That process. He's putting up with me. He, he's putting up with me. He has to. The Bible says when, when we are faithless, He remains faithful. I don't say that to you to that you can run around faithless. But that he is faithful. It's who he is. Again, I'd like to thank you guys for listening, listening in on this episode of Well, That Was Easy. And I hope it was easy. Again, something you didn't know, we learned together. Or something that you already knew that we affirmed together. And, and just had a nice time doing it. Let us not suffer for lack of knowledge. 
especially that knowledge of who God is. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you've been blessed by this. And like I tell my church, thanks for being here. I hope you learned something. God bless. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.